0: Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com slash giving. Enjoy the podcast. As we look here in the book of Haggai, chapter two, we're going to see that here in just a moment. One of the things that uh it, it caused cause us to look back when this church started 99 years ago you no know, pastor terry talked about it a little bit we've talked about it in the past but it, it was and he mentioned it was a simple time it was a simple time and things have changed And first assembly to be conferred has had the opportunity to impact our community and even some nations in the world and uh, in fact, I talked to a missionary serving in Africa here not all that long ago. That uh, is, is from here, from this church. And I've uh, talked to others as well that have served here. We have former staff who serve in the Middle East right now. I can't name the country uh, on the, online. But uh, there, But we know that there are those who are making an impact in this world. And We've seen people come to faith, and they've stepped out from riding the bus as a child and have come into ministry. So I'm ministering in different cities and towns around Kansas and elsewhere. And this body has seen those kind of things happen. But this was the former glory of Topeka first. I was some of the former things that God did, and times change, situations change, and cultures change and uh, and we're required by the lord to move forward from the past now we we thank god for the things he's done over the years we thank god for them but we also must continue moving forward you, you can imagine what it would have been like if the only thing you did was to look back at a difficult time in your life you know we could probably all say yeah i remember this difficult time or that difficult time and, and I, I, know, know most, I know most of us have had those, but everyone has at least one or two of those. And, and, but if you stay entrenched in the events of your past, whether if they're good or if they're bad, uh, it can hold you back from what God is wanting to do in your now and your future. And uh, if you've ever watched some of the old shows, it could be, whether it's a Western or some kind of a mystery show, either uh, in the past or or now, uh, you probably know the the, uh, things that they do. It's pretty standard, right? Usually there's a, a guy or a gal that somebody got their dad, knocked their dad off, or knocked their mom off, and... And they're holding this grudge and they've spent a lifetime trying to hunt this other person down because they want to get even. They want to be able to make things right. And so they're living that way. And so they've allowed that hurt in the past. Uh, to be able to rule their life, or they've even allowed those victories in their past to be able to give them direction. But a lot of times they're offended, and and that adult child or person goes on this journey. And that it may be that they, maybe it was an accident. Maybe it wasn't even their fault, even though it happened, and that adult child has that grudge. But they, they spend their life searching for them. They want to settle the score, Right. And they have to appease their hurt and their anger. They think that the only way they can do that is by getting even. And in the end, their pain ends up destroying them. What they thought was going to be so pleasant for them when they got even actually destroyed them. They have to be able to let the past be the past and move on from it. And sometimes life deals you a hand. And you have to be able to find a way to be able to work through that. That's just the way it is at times. And sometimes we just, we are dealt a hand. And in the case of Israel, about 520 BC, here in the book of Haggai, we see here uh, that uh, 520 BC, they, they've already been exiled from their land. About 586, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians came in. Uh, they took Israel out, They, they or Judah, at that point of they, the southern kingdom. They come in and took him out and took over the land. And uh, now the Lord is opening the door for the remnant of Israel uh, to do something. He's opening the door for the southern kingdom, those in Judah, for them to be able to see God to do something, so they could either focus only on the past, and miss out on what God has for them, or they could become willing to focus on what is ahead of them. You know, in the lives we're living right now, here in this, all this pandemic stuff, it's added things upon things, you know, we realize that. And and so you have to to figure out ways to work through that. And for us as Topeka First, we're really at a crossroads, like many churches are. Uh, and, and with, with the, all this storm that we see that's affected ministries and it affected us to the point where we had to divide things up so that we could make things work. And I, I'm sure that since we did not have a, a great handle on some things early on, uh, it made things even more challenging as we got to this point. And uh, we're people who have missed the mark, just just the reality. We we missed, missed the mark for those things. And so for those things, what do we do? But we look to the Lord for healing. We look to the Lord for forgiveness. We look to the Lord to help us to set things right, and so that we, as a body, can move forward with the Lord. And uh, we must always always be honest with God and with ourselves. If we are not, we put ourselves in a poor position. You know, I, I love what First Peter five uh, six tells us. A scripture I learned. Early on in my walk of faith, and, uh, and, he, and he reminds us about humbling ourselves before God. And he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. We have to humble ourselves before him. And then I love that passage, really, with some sense, it kind of connects there to the Old Testament and 2 Corinthians I'm sorry, 2 Chronicles 7, verses 13 and 14. We know that passage. So many know it and quote it. But we must do more than just quote that passage. That should go right along uh, with, uh, with us, just like 1 Peter 5 does. And he says there, he says, When I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people, if my people... It's a conditional statement there. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and and will heal their land. In the times we live, we must be willing to humble ourselves. It's a conditional statement. Yes, it's Old Testament, but there is condition even in the New and we have to be able to humble ourselves and uh, and seek the face of the Lord, make things right with Him, and then move on. And for today we we must not only humble ourselves before God, but we must recognize the time that we are in. then Then we must be willing to move forward from the past. We have to be willing to move on. It, it's It's here in Haggai chapter two that we find the Lord speaking to the leaders and to the rest of his people, really a a message that is so powerful that speaks to us. It speaks to our lives. And and we need to listen to what he says. It seems like many of them didn't even know what what the temple was like in the good old days. They didn't know what it was like at that point. But some did know. We're looking at about, it's been about 60 years at this point uh, since uh, the temple had been knocked knocked down, been destroyed, and since. but, But Haggai was in his 70s, and so were some of the others that he would have been speaking to at that time. They knew what the temple was like. They'd have been young. Some of them may have been a kid. Some of them may have been teenagers at the time but they knew what it looked like. They experienced it. They probably knew what it was like to experience worship there in that place. A- and so they knew it. And we're going to start here in Hag- Haggai uh, chapter 1, verse 15. It says, In the second year of King Darius, on the 20, uh, 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came uh, uh, through the prophet Haggai, uh, speak to Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? Listen to the questions that the Lord himself is speaking through the prophet at this point. He's speaking to them and and, and he's he's asking them questions. And so I've got three things that we want to look at here. And the first thing is, is where is the greatness? Where is the greatness? What what happened to our prominence? What has happened to the prominence of the church in this time? What what is left, we can ask in some sense. We're, We're talking about the difference between the temple, though, here that Solomon built and what the current state was and what they were, what they were reforming. King Nebuchadnezzar, we know Babylon, he, he destroyed all that beautiful temple. And then Israel had been rich, and that temple for the Lord was elaborate. Remember, that was the capital. That was, that was the place for the southern kingdom. And, and, and we see it was a beautiful thing. Jerusalem was that capital. It was a powerhouse in its prime. And you had, you had people coming from all over the world to check them out and to bring gifts so that they could get in good with this powerhouse nation of Israel. And here in the southern kingdom, and you had people just coming in from all over. And now, now they now they had been knocked down, but they hadn't been knocked out. They had been knocked down, but not knocked out. And the Lord said through Haggai, he says... How does it look to you now? If they did answer, it might have been, maybe it was to be something like this. Well, it certainly doesn't compare to in magnificence, the, this old, new temple to the old temple, uh, but it's the Lord's temple and we're glad it's here. You know, they had to keep a perspective there. They had to understand, hey, that God is still working and God was still going to use this as a place of worship and there was no way that these poor exiles uh, could have matched the extravagance of Solomon and with, with his professional craftsmen, those guys come in, they have the ability, uh, they, had, they had tons of gold, they had imported wood, they had everything they needed uh, to set up that original temple, and, then they, and they really set it up nice. It was a great place to worship. It probably felt so much easier to worship at that place. Because it was beautiful. But what about when the beauty feels stripped away? What about when it feels stripped away from us? What about when you feel like so much has been lost? Today, here at Topeka First, uh, you've not been, uh, maybe uh, some of you have not even let this absorb into your minds, or, or yet maybe you haven't even noticed yet. That's okay, but some things feel a little loss at this point, and, uh, but it is not the end. I would say that many churches would say that too, that they feel like there's been a loss. And, uh, but in, in times like this, that we, we have to get back to what really is important. What an interesting day for me to speak this message, especially when it's so bad in the weather, (laughs) and when many are online watching instead. But the realities, the realities that we live in, and uh, we have to make sure that we understand what really is important. Why do we come? What are we looking for? Are we willing to engage the one who is important? It's the Lord. So, with all the distractions that are pushed out of our lives, uh, 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 we, we allow the Lord to work in our lives. You know, Beethoven was known as a wonderful composer, but one of the things that worried him was his uh, fear of losing his hearing, and I don't know if it's because he had a few issues or what at that time, but he was concerned about that, and uh, and he did, he did some wonderful works, uh, but. He felt like that hearing was the most important thing for him to be able to do his works, and then finally a day came along that he started losing his hearing. You know that guy could have pushed his pen aside, he could have shoved the piano away from him, he could have said, "You know what? This is the end. There's no way I can I can put anything together at this point," and um, and so and. Uh, didn't do that. He didn't do that. Beethoven finally found the strength he needed to go on despite the loss that he had. And and to everybody's surprise, he wrote some of his greatest music after he became totally deaf. Such an amazing story. And and with all the distractions shut out, melodies flooded in on him as fast as his pen could write them down. His deafness became a great asset for him. Who would have thought that? Who would have thought something like that could have been a great asset? But it was. I guess he realized that music was more than just hearing. Music is in the heart. Beethoven could have set down his pen, pushed aside his piano, but because the beauty of sound was gone for him, but but that didn't mean everything was lost for him. And, and we realize, too, that, uh, that we have all faced loss in this time. We, we've seen so much loss in our world that we have faced, and, and even to be conversed has faced loss. we we face those things, but just maybe we will find what is really important as we look to that rock, the rock of Christ, who flows that living water out into our lives. Maybe we will find what really matters, and we can pick up the simple things that God has given us, like the remnant of Judah, and, and work for him, and serve him, and see God do wonderful things. Maybe be first has been called for such a time as this. Maybe you have been called for such a time as this. Maybe God is placing us in, a, in a different positions to be able to do the work that he wants us to do. Look at his last question that the Lord asks them in verse 3 about this new temple. He's, uh, and, and you know the new thing God is doing already there. And does it not mean to you like nothing? Or I'm sorry, does it not seem to you like nothing? Does it not seem to you like nothing? I'm sure that his question probably even discouraged his audience. Probably what he was saying probably seemed like he was pulling them down. And they were all thinking, they were all thinking, and now Haggai, Haggai had to say it. Why did he have to say it? Why did he have to just speak that out? He was saying the facts, and he was honestly dealing with the truth. The new temple is inferior to the old one, and that, along with the other circumstances, had discouraged the people and stifled their initiative. It caused them to be able to hold back when God was saying, don't you hold back. Don't you hold back at that point? And, but but if, we, uh, if you stopped here, you would only receive half of the message that the Lord was given his people uh, through Haggai. And look at what, the, what he goes on to say to the remnant of the people there in Haggai chapter 2, verse 4. Verses 4 and 5 says this, "'But now be strong,' Zerubbabel declares the Lord. "'Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest,' Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. The words that he says fits our time perfectly. Perfectly. What he's saying there fits our time perfectly. And so my second thing for you this morning is this. Be strong. Be strong. This morning we had a choice to make. It was snowing. It was cold. And, uh, and I know it. I understand some because of the safety of it. Some didn't, didn't come out, I realized, But we got in the van. We started at 20 minutes early. <laughs> and we're, we're, ready to, we're ready to go because we had to make a statement. Be strong, be strong. And he says something else there, but be strong and work. And God spoke to another man named Joshua about 800 years before this, not the same Joshua that he's speaking to. And, and he says it, And Moses, had, once he had died and jo- that Joshua was told to take God's people across into the promised land, then the Lord said some very similar words uh, to him because he, he knows the nature of the people that he created. Did you realize God knows our nature? He knows our bend. He knows which way we tend to lean. He knows, the, uh, he knows our lives. And he says there in Joshua chapter 1, verses 5 to 7, these words No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. He's telling that Joshua that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Then he says in verse six here, he says, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land. I swore to their ancestors to give them be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law. My servant Moses gave you do not turn from it or from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. But you can't really stop there. You can't stop here at this place. Look at what he goes on to say there in verse 9, because in verse 9 he says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He's saying it again. Do not be afraid Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's the word from the Lord to them then. But that was the word to the Lord with Haggai. That's the word of the Lord to us today as well. It hadn't changed. God hasn't changed. You know, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, the God of the Old Testament was different than the God of the New Testament. They're mistaken. They just don't understand Scripture well enough. God is the same since time and memorable, since the very beginning, since the, before the beginning of time. He was the same then as he has, is now. He just has to deal with people. What, what are those things that God told them both? Well, he told both of them. He said, I will be with you. He said, be strong. And then he said, do not fear. Both to Haggai and to Judah, after they had really messed up, and he said the same thing to the people of God when they were going to go into the promised land. Do you think that God is saying anything different to us today? He's not. It's the same thing. He's speaking the same thing, different setting, different purposes at times. Some things are a little different, but God is still the same. And in fact, Haggai told God uh, uh, Hag, uh, in fact, in Haggai, God told them to be strong, Three different times. First, he told Zerubbabel, who is the governor, to be strong. Uh, and then he told Joshua, the high priest, to be strong. And then the third thing is he, uh, God told all the people to be strong. Don't you think he's making a point? He's trying to make a point with every person, with every group of people. Look, we need to be strong no matter what the situation is. And I love that because he's not just telling us to be strong. And not providing anything to base that on. He provides something to base it on here. We know that because we we realize that Haggai and the book of Joshua, they both mention the promise of God. They both mention the promises of God or the covenant of God. He is mentioning those and we are in the new covenant in Christ. So we understand that whatever he te- whenever he tells you today to be strong, you know that he's doing that because he is basing that on who he is and that he will not leave you nor forsake you. What happens to us is when we sometimes feel like God tells us to be strong and then really what happens is we think, well, how can I do that? Well, sure, we can't do it on our own. But we know that he is the one that is capable to help us. And he is the one that backs our lives. Be strong. Because I'm there. That's what he's saying. On Wednesday night in prayer, I wrote that we should pray against the spirit of fear that people are carrying with them in the time that we're in. Fear not always bad. It can really help us make some solid decisions so we don't do something foolish, right? Uh, so we don't get ourselves in trouble, but also we understand that fear can also control everything that we do and, uh, and in the end cause us to be paralyzed, which is the last thing we need to be uh, in, in living our lives. We need to continue to moving, uh, continue to keep on moving. The Lord spoke to Haggai and to all the people to encourage them and, and to remind them that, that he is with them. Uh, aren't you glad that he's with us? And uh, and so even now, the spirit of fear has really kind of been the rule of the day. And the question for everyone will be, will you stay in fear once the plague is passed over? Will you stay in fear once the plague will pass over? Because the plague will pass over. All this that we're dealing with now, it will pass over, and we're seeing some good things too. We're seeing some good things, and sure, I know they're uh, they're always going to bring up other things that's going to come out. Uh, that's how they sell news. Uh, but on the other side, uh, we we realize that we do we still have to be wise, have to be smart on how we do things. But 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 that's the question, because if you're still in fear after the plague passes over. That means you're allowing fear to paralyze your life. What, what about the church? What about Topeka first? The, the Lord says the same to us. Be strong. Uh, there, there's going to be a time that fear must not hold us back from being who God has called us to be today. And, and God says to, uh, this in Haggai chapter 2 verse 4. He says, be strong. All you people of the land declares the Lord and work. And that means we're going to have to get on our feet and work. We're going to have to move forward from the past. We have to be able to find the path that the Lord has provided for us today. And we will keep handing out food as long as the Lord provides that opportunity for us. Like Pastor Jenna talked about, it's going to be freezing cold as it is today. But we're finding a way to do it. Why? Because a lot, even harvesters is closed down. I know Habitat said, hey, we're going to still do it because so many closed down. But, but what? That's part of being, of, of being people who are willing to minister. What does minister mean? It means service. That's what that means. And so we want to be able to serve the community and minister to the lives of people around us. Otherwise, it's us for and no more, right? We don't want to be that way. We want to be the type of people that recognizes that God has given us something so that we can give out from what he's provided for us. And we're going to keep reaching out with God's love. We'll continue to love God, love people and inspire hope as long as God gives us breath. Uh, here in the new future, near future, we'll, we'll start opening ministries back up again. We're already looking at some of that with children's ministry and such. We haven't stopped youth. We haven't stopped service in here. We still do online in here, but, uh, but we will be opening things up more here in recent, uh, recent days as we're able to get that stuff set up. Why? Because people matter. And why do we even do church uh, if people don't matter? People do matter, and that's why we do it. Because, one, we worship God, because we know He is the one who provides for us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and then we also minister from the blessings that God has given to us in our lives. We have to find a way to reach our neighbors. We have to find a way to reach our friends and share the love of God with them. God has given us a great opportunity to share his love with those in need. Ministry is not simply receiving. When we get that focus that ministry is simply receiving, then we misunderstood the gospel. But ministry is receiving and sharing. Eunice Pike was a lady who worked with uh, uh, the with, uh, Mazatec people in Mexico for about 40 years. And when she worked with them, they, they ha- she discovered something in their culture. It was kind of interesting uh, how they, they, they worked. They, they rarely would wish somebody well, like, have a good day. Hope your day goes well. Uh, they, they would rarely do anything like that. But uh, not only that, they were also hesitant to teach others how to do something. Uh, and they were also, for those that had come to faith, they were also hesitant to tell others or to share the gospel. Uh, because if somebody asked if somebody asked them who taught you to bake bread, the, uh, the baker would ask, would would simply answer, "I just know, just know how to do it," A- and meaning no one taught them. That was their perspective, and this behavior came from their view of limited good. There's only so much good that can go around. That's what they thought. They just thought there's so only so much, and so they believed that there's only so much. So so much knowledge, so much love to go around. and so they uh, so to teach another person means that you might drain yourself of knowledge. If you give it away, you may lose it. To love love a second child meant that you had to love the first child less. Well, that's not good. And to wish somebody well or to have a good day simply would mean that you would give away some of your own happiness. Who wants to give away their happiness? Sometimes, though, I wonder if we view things in a similar way when we don't respond in the same way to others around us in our world. Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, he said this, he says, Freely have you received, freely give. See, we've received something from God. We've received that living water, the water from the rock, the water from Christ that living water, and because we've received that, we can pass that around to others, and we can move forward together as a body. And we can reach out into the world that we live in. Christ will help us move forward. Finally, we have the promise. We have the promise. And that promise is a wonderful one. And you can can look at the Lord's message with me there in Haggai uh, chapter 2, verse 8. And this is what he says here at the end of this. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory. And he goes on and he says, says, the Lord Almighty, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The Lord, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. How could he say that? How in the world could the Lord say that when the old house was so beautiful in comparison to the the slipshod one that they built? And then he says, And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I'm going to grant peace. I'm going to give something that is more powerful than anything else. I'm going to grant peace. You know, that's a wonderful promise. And it's a promise to God's people. Can you imagine? Some of them saw Solomon's beautiful temple. Uh, They they knew the scenario. They knew what it was like. And so to, to tell them that this substandard situation would be filled with the glory of God just seems unbelievable. But God can do it. God can do it. And it may not be great in the same way, that it was before but nevertheless it will still be a place that god will grant peace how does that relate to you how does that relate to you and to, to topeka first how does that relate to each of us it could be that god will give people peace like they've never experienced it before in their lives it just could be that he would do that and it's going to happen probably when you and I work, when you and I serve, when we minister. Minister means service. And when we were going through all this process, one of the things that the Lord had spoke to my heart, that we have been called to serve. That we have been called to serve. That was in my time of prayer and the Lord was very plain to me about that. For us as followers of Jesus, we need to be the kind of people to say, you know what, I'm given of myself so that God can work in the lives of others around us. And I appreciate many of you have served. Many of you have served in different ways, done different things. But God is putting something in front of us that we can move from the past where we were, knowing, okay, that was our path. But now we can move forward saying, God, we're going to follow you on the path that you are taking us so that we can do your work and your will in this area, in this place, in this community, in our surrounding counties. God has given us open doors. We're going to walk through those open doors by the grace of God. We're going to depend on him and we're going to allow him to speak through our lives. Today, you've been like the people who who talked about, uh, that we talked about from the mysteries and the uh, westerns of of days gone by. And maybe you've been so focused yourself on the past hurts that you haven't been willing to move uh, past the past. Let today be the day to drop the the past into the hands of Jesus. Drop that stuff into the into the hands of the Lord and say, Lord, yes, I know those are real. Yes, I know that stuff happened. That, see, that's the thing is we have to be honest with him. We have to be honest with him. We have to be honest with ourselves and say, yes, Lord. Yes, this is the way it is, Lord. I openly admit this. This is the way it is. But I also recognize, Lord, that you will help us to move forward from this place. And each and every one of us, whether you're watching online or if you're here with us in person, we have to be willing to set those things in the past in the Lord's hands and say, I'm moving on with Jesus. It doesn't matter what we faced. It doesn't matter where we've been. It doesn't matter the victories that we've had in the past. And sometimes the worst thing that can happen to us is when we lean on the victories of the past. Because we think those victories, I, I heard the sore stories this week. Of somebody saying, oh yeah, I come to faith over here in this corner in the church. Are they serving Jesus? No, they're not serving Jesus. They're not following him. They're following their own direction. They've chosen to live another way. But you know what? The past is the past. Today can be that new start where we say, Lord, here I am as I am and I need you and I'm going to follow you with everything For us as a church, we're going to have to do the same thing. As we follow Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, let's leave the past in the Master's hands and let's allow the Lord to help us to move forward with Him. Would you stand with me this morning? We want to pray. And maybe maybe you this morning, you need to say that prayer in your heart with the Lord. And you need to say, Lord, here is my past. Here is my past, and I leave it in your hands. And I'm going to expect that you are going to work in me from this day forward. And I am going to choose to work from this day forward. And I am going to choose to follow you with every part of my being. Let that be your prayer this morning. Father, Father, for each and every one of us in this house and those online, Father God, we make that commitment to you this morning. Father, we dump these hurts, we dump these pains, we dump the losses, we dump the worries into your hands, we we dump our past into your hands, and we willingly open our hearts to you so that you may speak into our lives, and we willingly choose to follow you from this day.